Hey, fans are ready. Uh, good day, my name's Andrew, uh, Covenant member here and part of the Parker Station CG. Uh, you've got the uh, joy of having me do the reading today. Uh, so we're reading in John 16, uh, 7 to 8, and 12 to 15. Neither the, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you all the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine, and therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. All right, Redeemed Christ, how are we? Good, good to be here with you all. Um, hey, I want to start off the sermon by saying, dang, uh, I love you all. Um, I love this church, and every church has its flaws, okay, us included. Uh, if you do not think the well has its flaws, you have not been here long enough, okay? If you're like, oh, yeah, the well sucks, you're right, all right? <laughs> we need Jesus, okay? And so do you, all right? So, shoot, okay? Um, but I'm around other pastors often, and they often complain about people in their congregation. Uh, it's kind of like parents with children sometimes. It's like, let's see who can create the biggest pity party, all right? Uh, and real talk, while people are people, and therefore people hurt people, uh, God has blessed us with this beautiful community. Uh, and so many of y'all are giving so much to this family to make it a really beautiful family, even giving so much to my personal family to help us to thrive in the Lord. And so I just wanna say thank you and that I love you and kind of start off the sermon that way, okay? I'm also not starting off the sermon this way because this is a hard sermon, all right? I ain't like love sandwiching y'all, okay? Um, I just wanna frequently remind you of the Lord's kindness to us for this body and even to me personally. So I am excited to be diving into this new series though. Uh, we are beginning a new series and I say it ain't hard, but for some of us it might be, okay? Uh, we're beginning a series on the Holy Spirit. All right, I know that's how the spirit can be treated at times. So uh, I hope to tear that down during this series and hopefully allow you to fall more in love with he who dwells inside of you if you are a believer in Jesus. And so as a church family, one of our distinctives that we care about the most is we wanna be empowered by the spirit. In 2 Peter, our last series, we focused on the importance of the word of God. We wanna be a people guided by and submitted to the word of God in our life. But we also wanna be empowered by the Holy Spirit and find that balance between the two. In fact, our distinctive or our core conviction, what, what we believe as a church and what we try to live into, it reads as this. It says that we're spirit empowered. We want to be empowered by the Spirit and guided by the Word. We believe that Jesus meant it when he said it was better for him to leave that he might send the helper. The Spirit of God reveals God's words clearly to us, empowers us for witness and ministry, equips us with spiritual gifts, convicts us of sin, leads us into becoming more like Jesus, intercedes and gives power to our prayers among many, many other functions and roles. We seek to be filled by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, align ourselves with the Spirit in submission to God's words. In other words, we want to be a Spirit-empowered church. 
And now for many of us, this can mean many different things. And so we'll talk about this some today. But if we are going to be effective at pushing back darkness, if we're gonna be effective at reproducing and making disciples or effective at church planting or effective at building Christ-like character in our hearts or in the hearts of other individuals, if we are to have healthy, thriving, unifying community, if we are going to see the power of God on earth as it will be in heaven, then we need to be a people invigorated by, walking and submitting to, filled with and in love with the Holy Spirit of God. We need to be empowered by God with us, our helper. And so today is gonna be just a tiny bit of a different sermon than usual. And so if this is your first time, welcome to the well, all right? Um, but I wanna do three things for us today. Uh, I want to, one, for you type A people, I'm giving you my outline, all right, here you go. I wanna create a high level view of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, who is he? Secondly, I wanna give a little bit of context as to where we're going throughout this series, so I wanna give some vision to us so that you know some of the things we're tackling. And then thirdly and mainly, I wanna clear some misconceptions about the Spirit. And so you know what we're saying when we say we wanna be empowered by the Spirit. Some of these misconceptions are cleared for us. That's my direction, but my prayer today is really simple. And I would actually invite you to pray it with me as we begin this series for this series at large. My prayer is that by the end of today in part, but by the end of the series in whole, that you would be overwhelmed with a love and an affection for the Holy Spirit of God. That you would literally love the Holy Spirit, like talk to him and pray to him and seek his glory and fall in love with God with you, the Holy Spirit that you would actually love the Spirit, okay? So let's fall in love with our counselor today, cool? Yeah. All right, as we enter into this series, I know that many of us are flying with more baggage than Southwest. <laughs> and some of them bags don't fly free either, all right? And so for some of us, I know that we have no context for the Holy Spirit. Maybe you know him loosely, or maybe what we're talking about seems actually really foreign and kind of strange to you. Maybe you're not even really sure where you are with Christ. Like, am I a Christian or not? Where's my relationship with God? And so this topic in this series may start seeming kind of irrelevant for you to an extent. My hope is though that by the end of this series you would see how important and how necessary the Holy Spirit is to your life and why relationship with him will make everything in your life that much sweeter. In fact, some of the problem in our lives, some of the reason why we lack joy or why we lack peace or why we lack love or why we lack power, or some of the purposelessness that we can tend to feel is because we are not walking in the Holy Spirit of God who produces those very things in our life. And so while it may seem irrelevant, my argument would be everything your soul is searching for is actually found in the Holy Spirit of God. As he reveals Christ the Son to us and gives us to the Father, this is our purpose in life. And so my hope is that this series is actually initiating relationship for you. Uh, some of us have been walking with the Spirit, though, and we've been walking in this Christian life for a while, and there seems to be some baggage around the Holy Spirit. In fact, for some of us, we have seen the Holy Spirit abused. We have seen him used as emotional manipulation to get parishioners to invest in local businesses called churches. Mm. 
Many people who grew up in church probably had or they even currently have a poor understanding of the Holy Spirit at large because of how he has been abused. And so maybe there was an overemphasis on his work and on his power, turning the Holy Spirit of God into kind of like a wild hurricane of force or, or like that drunken uncle at the family reunions. And I think for others of us, we actually have an underemphasis on the Holy Spirit, turning him into that relative that you only met twice at family reunions, and both times they kissed you way too much, you kind of didn't want anything to do with them, right? You're like, the Holy Spirit, gosh, ain't that that kissy dude, right? And so I want to clear all of those in this series, the, the overemphasis, the underemphasis, and maybe the irrelevance that we would actually see that the Spirit is really who we should adore because he is who reveals Christ to us. And while we won't cover every topic, in fact, we'll only be touching the tip of the iceberg on a lot of them, I just hope that by the end of this series, you fall in love with the Holy Spirit and see his work in your life. Cool? That's the clearing misconception. So we ready? All right, let's chop it up. Uh, firstly, look at what Jesus says here in John 16, right, verse 7. He says, it is better for you if I bounce out of here. All right, it is better for you if I, peace, if I depart. Now, for those of you, even with a proper understanding of the Holy Spirit, uh, you probably have a hard time with this passage if you're being honest with it. Like if I asked you this morning or this afternoon, hey, you have two options. You can either have the Holy Spirit or you can have Jesus in his physical form walking with you, talking to you, eating with you, communing with you. In fact, Jesus can be your roommate. And if that was the offer that I had, which would you rather have? Undoubtedly, most of us, if we are honest, not giving the right Christian answer, but the true heart answer would say, we would want Jesus. But Jesus had such an affection and an appreciation for the Holy Spirit that he's like, no, yeah, like I know that you think that, but I'm telling you, it is better if I go. He knows you don't believe him either. So look, he's like, look, I'm telling you the truth, right? I know you ain't gonna believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. The Holy Spirit is dope, y'all. That's what Jesus is saying here. What gives Jesus this conviction? Well, it's because Jesus, along with the scriptures, believe that the Holy Spirit is God. And so the first misconception that I wanna clear at the start of this series is that the Holy Spirit is not some force or some power or some, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. You see, all throughout the scriptures, we actually see the Holy Spirit's divinity, that he is the very person of God. Some examples, he's omniscient, which means he knows all things, just like God does. He's omnipresent, which means he is everywhere at once, like God. He is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful, just like God, can do whatever he wants to do. He is called the Lord, like God. He judges sin, like God. He is eternal, and I could go on and on with some of these lists. And too many people have treated the Holy Spirit more like a Gentile than like the very person of God. They treat him as some almost outcast, like, ah, oh, yeah, the Spirit. No, he is God. So to talk about, to worship, to love, to give adoration to the Holy Spirit is to worship, love, and give adoration to God because the Holy Spirit is God. And we need to realize that if we are to grow comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Even looking at that Acts passage, it says this. It says, but Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the proceeds for your land while it remained unsold? Did, 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 wasn't it yours? After you sold it, couldn't you do whatever you wanted with it? 
Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? You lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. In fact, so unified is he with God that as we submit to him, we are submitting to God himself. One of the very common verses that most of us have probably heard if we have any sort of church experience, but my guess is, is you've never really thought of in this way is actually Matthew 28, verse 19. This is the Great Commission where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But peep this, what do you baptize them into? You baptize them into the name, singular, and so this is one God that we are baptizing people into. There's only one name that is the name of Yahweh, God. And yet the Spirit is also distinct from God, just like the Father and the Son are. And so here we see each person's importance, and yet their difference, and yet their unity. The Holy Spirit is God. Now track with me here if you're like, yeah, cool, I know that, okay? Don't go so common that you forget to worship that the Holy Spirit's God, okay? Like, we say we want a relationship with God. Even if you're not very churched, some of the things you're searching for is this relationship with the divine. Why are you here? What happens after you die? We want a relationship with God. And because of that, we should want a relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, like the Father, like the Son, is God. And God is not some distant force, but he's a relational God who wants relationship with his people as well. Don't miss that, okay? Like, do you truly believe that? Do you truly believe that God is a relational God that wants relationship with the people that he has created? You see, no other religion would make that claim. In fact, in every other religion, God is this distant being that maybe if you're lucky, you could potentially get close to. But in Christianity, we actually see that God desires a relationship with us so much so that he would do what it takes to enter us into that covenant relationship with him. God wants a relationship with you. You should want a relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit is the bridge to make that possible. In fact, he's not just the bridge, he's on the other end of it too, because he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He brings us into relationship with God. So if you want relationship with God, you have to have relationship with the Spirit, or else you're kind of missing a part of who God is. I can go on about this, but we have a lot more to cover. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to cram an entire semester of seminary into one sermon. You're welcome, by the way. I saved you some papers, some tests, and $5,000, all right? If you want, you could tie that $5,000 on the screen behind you. I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, okay? Uh, the second misconception that I wanna clear is this. Because the Holy Spirit is God, and because we should want relationship with him, then we have to recognize that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but he is a person. Huli almost started preaching my sermon. I was about to be like, get out of there, girl. You're taking all my notes, all right? The Holy Spirit is not an it, the Holy Spirit is a person. Notice even back in our John passage, Jesus does not refer to him as it, but he says in verse eight that he will come and he will be given. Jesus refers to him as a he, that is as a person, in other words. Now a person, biblically speaking, is somebody with a mind, a will, and emotions. And so the Holy Spirit can think on his own, he can act on his own, a will, and he can have emotions, and yet is completely unified with God at the same time. 
What we see throughout the scriptures is that the Holy Spirit is a teaching, speaking, interceding, and grieving person. The Holy Spirit teaches, that's his mind at work. He is speaking and interceding, which means he has a will that he wants to accomplish, and he is grieving, which means he has emotions. Therefore, we should not call him an it, but rather a person that you and I can have intimate relationship with as the very person of God inside of us, someone that we can talk to and someone that we can listen to and someone that we can commune with. In fact, probably better than any relationship on earth if you really draw deep in this relationship that's offered. Can I give some examples as to why this is important as we venture into this series and as you start thinking about building relationship with the Holy Spirit? One person, thank you. That's all I needed was one dog, you're lucky. We'll go to my next point. Remember, okay, what I am proposing to you is that you can have relationship with the God of the universe, with the all-sovereign God who could do whatever he pleases yet desires relationship with us. What I'm proposing is that you can have relationship with the divine and that the Holy Spirit is one who dwells inside of us if we have faith in God. So why then is this idea of him being a person, not an it, important? Well, imagine if you did that to people. Like imagine if you started calling them it's, right? Like I was talking to you about my wife and you were like, oh yeah, cool. Like the other day I was talking to it too. <laughs> and it said to me, ooh girl, yeah, Tori, my husband, he fine. Natalie would never say her husband is fine, all right? I don't even know where I got that from, okay? But she also ain't it either, all right? We could throw hands in this mug, okay? Uh, now, if you do this, listen, if you call the Holy Spirit an it, please do not feel guilty. That is not why I'm emphasizing this. It is natural to do that when you don't have relationship with the Spirit, when you do not know him personally as a helper or as a comforter or as a counselor or as a revealer or as a friend. You calling him an it probably just reveals that there's more relationship between you and the Spirit to be had. And so I wanna highlight this to even give you a little bit of a parameter of do you really know him as a person or do you only see him as a force, as a it? If this is the case, don't feel convicted, just feel invited in, there's more relationship to be had. You can know God deeper, right? Like I do this all the time, right? Like I do this with babies when I don't know what they are, right? I'm like, oh, so precious. <laughs> All right, what is their name? They're like, Jordan. I'm like, oh, wow. All right? I don't have a relationship with the baby, okay? And so I don't know what it is at that moment. So don't feel rebuked in that. Feel invited in that there's more of the Holy Spirit that you can have. The goal, remember, is for you to fall in love with the Holy Spirit of God. And by the end of this series, have a growing sense of intimacy with him that you would be more in tune with him and therefore see the power and the love of God expressed way more clearly in your life. Invite, come in to the presence of God who often reveals himself through he who lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit. The third misconception I wanna clear is that the Holy Spirit is not strange, okay? There's no comma, extra point there. He just ain't strange. It's hard to be in relationship with people that you don't relate to, that you kind of find strange, okay? And while we should love everyone, and maybe even especially people we find strange, because just because you find them strange doesn't mean they're not image bearers of God. You may be the strange one, in fact, right? 
But regardless, it's actually still a lot harder for us to be in relationship with people that we don't really understand, that seem kind of strange to us, that, that don't really make a whole lot of sense. And if you think the Holy Spirit is weird, it's going to be hard for you to have a deep relationship with him. Y'all tracking with that? So the Holy Spirit is not strange. And the Bible does not think that the Holy Spirit is strange. It is not afraid to talk about him, which is why we ain't afraid of it either, because we're submitted to the word of God as a church. In fact, if we're gonna do anything that we desire to do as a church, it will be by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit alone. You see, we cannot do anything that we desire if we are trying to produce this through man's efforts only. If we are trying to build God's kingdom by using man's efforts, it will not bring forth the beauty or the power or the righteousness or the justice or the love or the compassion or the zeal or the fire or anything else that God offers us. It will just be man's efforts. And man's efforts is whack, y'all. Man's efforts are usually man-centric and they get you to surround some person or some people and they cannot deliver your soul into the kingdom of God. If we want to see the power of God, we must be submitted to the Holy Spirit, y'all. We must be empowered by the Spirit as a church so we can build the right thing. Charles Spurgeon once said, which I love this, he was a last century preacher and just a phenomenal guy. He said, a church in the land without the spirit is a curse rather than a blessing. Whew, we can stop right there, shoot. <laughs> if you have not the spirit of God, Christian worker, remember that you stand in someone else's way. You are a fruitless tree standing where a fruitful tree might grow. Yeesh. <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit. He is our advocate, he is our guide, and he is not strange. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit all the time. It mentions the word spirit over 550 times, most of them in reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is hidden on the very first verse of the Bible when it says, in the beginning, Elohim, which is a plural name for God, but then Elohim created, which is a singular verb. So some weird, mysterious one God, yet three persons began to do this work of creation. He's hidden in the first verse of the Bible, but he's explicitly revealed in the second verse of the Bible. In fact, the first person of the Trinity that is explicitly revealed as the Holy Spirit is hovering over the water beginning to take this chaos and create form and system and process and life and beauty for it, which is the same thing he does to us right now. Hovers over these troubled waters and when he enters us, begins to create beauty and life and fragrance. So the Holy Spirit is in the second verse and he travels all the way throughout the Bible so that he's in the fifth to last verse of the Bible as well. As the Spirit and the church now say to the world, come into the family of God. And so from front to back, the Bible is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible does not think, nor should Christians think, the Holy Spirit is strange. He ain't, he's God. He's a part of the reason why we live. He's a part of the reason why you can even see the scriptures in the first place. Here's the reason this is all important. Because if you want to grow in any level of Christ-likeness, then you need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the very spirit of Christ into whose likeness we're trying to be transformed into. And so if you wanna be like Jesus, you need the spirit because Jesus was how he was on earth because the spirit. Y'all tracking with that? If we're to do anything that we hope to do as a church, it will take the empowering work of the Holy Spirit to see this to fruition. 
Because the Holy Spirit is the one that grows us into the character of Christ so that we can see qualified men and women raised up to lead others and to bless others. If we want to see the character-filled individuals that we long to see so as not to be some fake church like we talked about in the false teaching sermon, then we need the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one that transforms us into the image of God. If we wanna see the gifts expressed in individuals, and if we wanna see those gifts grow or even gain spiritual gifts, which we'll talk about in this series, we need the Holy Spirit of God. If we wanna see CGs multiply that are healthy and unifying and beautiful, you actually need the Holy Spirit. Now you can do it on your own efforts for a while, but sooner or later that thing gonna crumble because man is not the solid rock upon which we build our faith. Christ is. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of God's word. So if you want to even see scripture or see how all the scripture points to Christ, you need the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. Listen, before I was a Christian, I opened up my Bible and I started reading and it read like a lame dictionary. And then I got saved and I opened the same Bible and I was like, what is happening? It was like braille all of a sudden, who's doing that? It's the Holy Spirit, where he's now revealing things that I could not see before. The Spirit of God is the revealer of God's word. If we want more beauty and power, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to see the Spirit of God. Listen, can I let the cat out the bag early in the sermon series? What does that phrase even mean, by the way? <laughs> Who came up with a cat out the bag? I know how to use it. I don't know what the heck that came from, though, okay? Uh, here's the deal. I hope that we see more supernatural gifts and expressions in this church because of the Holy Spirit. Since planting this church, we have seen God time and time again do things that seem to be by human efforts completely out of reach, y'all. I'm talking about pregnancies that were not supposed to be had or healed relationships or salvation from individuals that were God haters or prophetic words or physical healing. And while God does not always answer those all of the time and we do not understand why he says yes to some and no to others, at times he does answer that and we want to see that more in our church family. Don't be scared, we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, okay? The Holy Spirit ain't strange, so we'll talk about this. But all of what I just said is actually the evidence of God's power within this church body. And so we wanna see his power enacted more. However, dare I say that even more than the supernatural work of the Spirit, we actually wanna see more of the basic equipping of the Holy Spirit in our church with that much more vibrancy. Like that we would be producing spiritual fruit like love or joy or peace or patience, etc. Like don't you want more of that? Don't you want more peace? The Bible says that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we should have a relationship with the Spirit if we desire to have more peace. That you and I would walk in the gifts of encouragement or hospitality or administration or teaching, that we would be gentle, that we would be forgiving of one another the way that God forgave you and because the Holy Spirit is God, he now equips you to be able to forgive like that that we would see powerful and clear aspects of the Spirit among us, like by the way that we are unified as a church body. Don't get me started on that one. But unity is one of the most clear effort or emphases that show whether or not you are filled with the Spirit or walking by the flesh. Satan disunifies, God unifies. This is one of the most basic works of the devil and of God. And so if we are to be unified as a church and see the power of God, we need the Holy Spirit. I want us to share the gospel boldly, that is, by the Spirit. 
I want us to walk in holiness. That is done by the Holy Spirit. I want us to receive dreams or calling from God. That is from the Holy Spirit. I want the scriptures to be illuminated. I want us to hear God's voice in our hearts. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see hearts that are prostrate in worship. I want to see prayers answered. I want us to love one another. All of this is a work of the Holy Spirit of God. Family, I know this is more of a seminary lesson right now than a sermon, but come on now. Like, are you hearing what we're talking about here? The Spirit with us, so good that he, God, would not leave you alone. In fact, just right before the passage that we read in John chapter 14, beginning of verse 16, it says this. Jesus says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The spirit of God will be with you forever. What does the word forever mean? Amen. <laughs> English can be your second language and you know that girl. <laughs> A little Colombian queen over there. <laughs> right? Forever means forever. Like, that's how long the Holy Spirit will be dwelling with you. I mean, can we think about the reality of this, y'all? You do realize that when you are in heaven, you will be filled with the Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. That means into all of eternity. In fact, the reason that you can get into heaven in the first place is because God looks at you and he sees Jesus. How is he seeing Jesus? Because the spirit of Jesus dwells inside of you. That's why you're even getting access. In fact, in the kingdom of God, y'all, you will see more and more and more of Jesus because the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal to us Christ and he will live with you forever. You better get used to a relationship because he's going to be with you forever. You will walk in holiness and perfection. Why is it that you will never be like Satan and sin against God and get kicked out of heaven? Because the Holy Spirit will be dwelling inside of you in a way that he was not there. He will be with you. When the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is your seal, a seal is not broken or it becomes invalid. The Spirit is sealed inside of you. If you are a believer, you will have the Holy Spirit forever, y'all. What in the world? Y'all, when God said, I will never leave you, he will never leave you. The Holy Spirit will dwell with you forever. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. He's the comforter and the counselor. He's a convictor of truth, your deposit and seal, your guide, the indweller of believers, an intercessor, a revealer, the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ, the spirit of life, a teacher and a witness. And I'm not gonna lie, I ran out of time prepping the sermon this week. I could have went on and on with this list. The Holy Spirit is so many things and you know Christ because of him, family. Like, you're, if you're a Christian in here, it's because the Holy Spirit awoke that heart that was inside of you and made you aware of your need for a Savior and regenerated that heart and gave you the gift of faith and the ability to believe and even today is still continuing to produce fruit in you. The Spirit of God is so good to you, family. He is so good to you. Why? Why? Why is it that you get the Spirit of God forever? 
Why is the Spirit so good to us? Why is all of this possible? Family, it is possible because of the sacrifice of the Son who was perfectly empowered with the Holy Spirit. You see, if you think back to our misconceptions and you begin to think about Jesus, Christ did not interact with the Spirit as an it. In fact, over and over and over again, we see this personal relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. There was a clear communing continually with Christ Jesus, so much so that the Spirit of God is mentioned over 70 times in the Gospel accounts. Christ is our example. He submitted to and was filled with the Holy Spirit of God his entire earthly ministry. In fact, Christ fulfilled having this perfect relationship with the Spirit. He was always led by the Spirit. He was always sensitive to the Spirit's voice. He was always using the gifts of the Spirit in his ministry. He never grieved the Holy Spirit because he was in sin. Christ was perfect. He had no sin. And yet, Christ was crucified. In fact, the Scriptures say blasphemy against the Spirit is the only unforgivable sin. And we'll talk about that later in the series. But Christ never sinned, and yet he died as if he was a blasphemer of the Holy Spirit. What? Why? Because that's what we deserve. Death for our sin, for our continual grieving of the Holy Spirit, for the fact that each of us in here this week, the Holy Spirit said, don't do that thing, and we did that thing anyway. Y'all, if you treated your marriage like that, do you know how fractured your marriage would be? If we continually over and over and over and over did not honor the person that we were with, it would fracture. We over and over and over fracture our relationship with the Spirit, and yet he dwells with us forever because Christ died for that sin, family. Like the liars in Acts who died for lying to the Holy Spirit, we should die because we disdain him with our life. And yet Christ died, literally giving up his spirit when he was on that cross, which is the Holy Spirit, that's who he's filled with. As he gives up his spirit and then resurrects, Christ then gives us his spirit because of his death and resurrection. This is good news, family. You see that gospel point that we are alive because of the Holy Spirit of God and the shed blood of the Son. Because of Jesus, you get the Spirit, and because of the Spirit, you get Jesus. Glory be to God. God will one day look at you and say, I see Christ. This is because of the Holy Spirit, literally never forsaking you. Hallelujah. God wants to give you himself, family. If you see God as this distant, oh, wait, God wants to give you himself. And it's evidenced even in how he has given us the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot more to cover. I know for some of you, you're like, yo, when are we going to be talking about tongues? <laughs> <laughs> and we will, all right. I'm hoping to cover a lot in this series. As a church, we want to be empowered by the Spirit. But whether or not tongues is a gift and if that's important, I want you to recognize, family of God, that God dwells inside of you. That's what I want you to see from this. How crazy that God dwells inside of you. Can I end with this thought? I'm going to be about two minutes over. We good with that? Say hallelujah if you're good with that. Hallelujah. Some of y'all are like, why y'all say that? All right. It's all right. You good. Listen to this. Worship one more time, okay? First Corinthians chapter 6. I want to read this for us. We're going to end with a really, really awkward verse. Beginning in verse 16. 
It says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You were not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now this is an awkward verse because we ain't explaining none of this, and there's some landmines in this mug, all right? Uh, what Paul is saying here is that what we do with sex, it matters because it's not just physical, it is spiritual as well. And so he's saying, listen, don't just go join your body to whoever. And that culture, cult prostitution, was a very common thing. And he's like, look, don't go join because this isn't just a physical act. There's this emotional and this spiritual element as well. And you are now temples of the Holy Spirit. But think about this, y'all. Aren't all of us spiritual prostitutes in different ways? Like physically, emotionally, spiritually, we have different sins in our life that do not make us clean to God. And yet the Spirit of God, this text says, decided to make himself one with us. Literally, the Bible tells us, don't do these things, but then God turns right around and does these things. Why is that? Well, it's because Christ, who knew no sin, became sin that you might become the righteousness of God. This is unbelievable, y'all, that the Holy Spirit, even though you and I are dirty and unclean and not worthy, he would enter in anyway. And so powerful is the Holy Spirit that our sin does not make him unclean, but his holiness makes us clean. This is good news. And if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. So walk in the Spirit. Know the Spirit of God. Understand that you can grow deeper and deeper and deeper with God because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Amen? Amen. Shoot, yo. I'm, all right, look. <laughs> Listen, y'all. Whether you're at a level one or a level 100, I'm praying that today and by the end of the series you go, dog, I love the Holy Spirit. Or golly, I love the Holy Spirit. Or whatever your <laughs> vernacular is. I pray that you will love the Spirit of God. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Let's pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Spirit of God. That right now, we as a unified body can pray to you, our Holy Spirit. You are our comforter and our counselor and our advocate. You are transforming us into the image of Christ. God, as I look at my brothers and sisters, I feel that. There are times where they encourage me in my gifts, and is that not you allowing them to see what is in me and producing more of Christ? I see my brothers and sisters who, man, we have iron, sharpened iron, and even had some conflict, and yet through that persevered and found some endurance, and that is you, Spirit of God. As we submit to and find this unity, in you, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell with us. I thank you that we can make this whole prayer and this last worship song all to you, and we are not doing anything but glorifying God because you, Holy Spirit, are God. And so God, I pray for those in here who may not have a sense of intimacy with you. Maybe they don't know even fully what is the Spirit and what is Christ, and, and maybe you're even unsure if God is real or not. Maybe you're not even sure if you're a Christian. I would ask that even this week, you would ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. 
that literally this week, if you're unsure where you are with Christ, just say, Holy Spirit, will you speak to me? And don't miss him. Like the sermon last week, sometimes we miss Christ standing right in front of us. But I want you to recognize that God wants to speak to you. It is his will that you come into relationship with him, the Bible says. So I pray that even this week you would hear from the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray for those of us who have a relationship with you because of the shed blood of your son and the awakening of your Holy Spirit. I pray we would grow deeper in our relationship with you, God. I pray we would use the gifts of the Spirit, that we would produce the fruit of the Spirit, that we would walk in the power of the Spirit, that we would know the love of God because of the Spirit, that we would see the Word more clearly because of the Spirit, that we would have relationship with you because of the Spirit. I pray that even as we end our gathering today, that Holy Spirit, throughout this series, you would do phenomenal things. I pray you would shatter strongholds of sin in our life because you are a healer. Shatter them, God. Shatter them in our life. I pray you would unify marriages because you can unify us to God, which was an inseparable gap. Can't you unify us to each other? I pray you would allow us to see the gifts that we have and use those to, to feel empowered by you that you would allow us to move by your spirit. God, I pray for a fresh outpouring in some ways of your spirit, that whether we are kind of far in our journey with Christ or whether we desire to walk closely, that Holy Spirit, you would draw each of us deeper. Thank you for something that seems like such an absurd concept that it can be simple. God wants relationship with us. Help us to have a relationship with you, God. We praise things in your beautiful name. Amen.